0: Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. I want to remind you of that today. That includes election, that includes your COVID concerns, that includes all those things. Something I think that 2020, the year 2020, has done for us is expose our over-dependence On the systems of this world. The world of, you know, medical science and politics and media and social media. It's, we kind of realizing, but we really probably have put a lot of faith in these systems. Anything that is of this world, anything that is of this world, this fallen world is corrupted or corruptible. It's corrupted or corruptible. And the more fearful the enemy can keep you, the more you are under the enemy's control. I would say never before has fear been turned into a virtue. I mean, I have literally heard um, people say, you need to be afraid of fill in the blank. You need to be afraid of what's to come. You need to be afraid of COVID. You need no. Not as a believer. The Bible commands hundreds of times, fear not. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Which means fear is something you can control. You have control over your fears. It's a choice, believe it or not. Fright is not a choice, okay? Uh When my, one of my kids, when they were younger, loved nothing more than to wait around the corner when you come down the stairs. Every time, "Ah!" okay, no, you don't have control over fright, but you have control over your fears. You choose it, to accept it, or to reject it. And fear is most likely to seduce us in times of uncertainty, times of unknown, the fear of the unknown. Uncertainty, obviously, is nothing new. Nor is political turmoil, nor is the shifting and sifting of empires, nations, and kingdoms. What we might forget in the constant news cycle Is that God is still the almighty king of kings. He is still the sovereign of the universe. Remembering what we said a few weeks ago. We want to live our lives G.I.C. Anybody remember what G.I.C. stands for? Yeah. God in charge or God in control. So in the midst of all our turmoil. We're going to turn to the word this morning. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 6. Starting at verse one, if you've got a Bible with you, I'd like you to find Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah is is, um, sometimes called the Prince of the Prophets. He's kind of this. He he has so much to say. Uh, He he speaks to Israel. He speaks to their the judgment they were about to face. He speaks um, to uh, the surrounding nations. Uh, Isaiah has clear uh, messianic. Prophecies prophesying Jesus the Messiah. Isaiah 53 gives the best description of Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, So Isaiah is is a big deal in our in our Old Testament scripture. He he uh, had a long prophetic career through four different kings of Israel, starting at the one we're gonna mention in a moment. So if you've got your Bible with you or you're open to Isaiah chapter six, if I need you to stand for the reading of God's word if you're new to the bible and you're just kind of listening in that's fine paper bible online bible doesn't matter to me too much let's go to isaiah chapter 6 it says this it was the in the year that king uzziah died that i saw the lord he was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple attending him were mighty seraphim each having six wings with two wings They covered their faces with two. They covered their feet and with two they flew and they were calling out to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory and their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. And I said, it's all over. I am doomed For I am a sinful man, I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. And verse 6 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Let's be seated together. It is truly a dramatic portion of Scripture in the sense that there's drama going on here. And it's familiar to many of you so familiar. In fact, I'm going to read the first four verses one more time, but I'm going to read it from an an older translation called the King James Version of the Bible. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And it stood... Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. I remember as a kid singing a song based in these verses uh if you were around in the 70s, you might remember this one. I see the Lord. I see the Lord. He is high and lifted up and His train fills the temple. He is high and lifted up and His train fills the temple. And the angels cry. Oh, anybody old enough to remember that? Yeah. I could never as a kid understand why God had a train in His temple. That was very confusing for me. I was sort of visualizing this. He's high up there and there's this model train set going around. and I could not get it train of his robe. New Living Translation fills that out for us a little bit. The train of his robe. Isaiah's vision was probably the most profound experience of his ministry career. He was new in the world of prophecy at this point. New in ministry. And, and this became a defining moment for him. Some of you have had one of those moments. Maybe in your youth, you think back to, you know, maybe a, a, a Bible camp experience or a retreat experience or you're on a missions trip and you had one of those profound kind of defining, life-changing moments with God. It's good to remember those. It's good to revisit that. It's good to to reflect on, you know, I heard a word from the Lord. God spoke to me. He confirmed something to me. He revealed something to me. It's good to go back to those places. So I, I, I want to start right back at verse 1. It says, it was the year that King Uzziah died. You could say, it, it was the year that COVID hit. It was the year that... The election happened. See, this is more than a calendar marker. This was a significant season for Isaiah. For Israel, I should say. Uzziah. I'm gonna know all these names mixed it up. Israel, Uzziah, Isaiah. Alright, they're different. Uzziah who was the ninth king of the southern kingdom. Israel had split into two kingdoms after King Solomon. Saul. David, Solomon, the kingdom splits into two kingdoms, the southern and the northern. He was the ninth king of the southern kingdom and he'd been in power, get this, for 52 years. 52 years. The longest reigning king in in Judah's history up to that point. Only one king would serve longer, King Manasseh, some years later. So I want you to think about this. 52 years, one king. I'm 52. I know... Somebody in here, you told me you were married in 1968, the year that I was born. So imagine we've had one president since 1968, governing through the Vietnam War, the the moon landing, uh, the 70s oil embargo, the the 80s interest rate crisis, right? The the fall of the Berlin Wall, 9-11, the Afghanistan Wars, the Iraq Wars, Desert Storm earlier, Right, Katrina and a dozen other devastating hurricanes, the mortgage meltdown, the Great Recession. One guy in charge for 52 years. Think about this. Now, whether or not his policies were great or whether or not you loved him as a king, the end of a long rule like that would introduce instability and uncertainty into their lives. It's a long time for one guy to govern. And at least for a season, things would feel shaky. What's going to happen next? Isaiah was actually a pretty good king for the nation. He was strong in national defense. He was big on infrastructure projects. He excelled in agriculture and livestock. Uh, he led the nation into prosperity. A lot of similarities to where America is actually at right now at this juncture. He was pleasing to the Lord for the most part, except there came a point when he became so proud, so full of himself, he also took on the activity or the duty of a of a priest offering incense in the in the temple, unrepentantly so he didn't say, "Oh, my bad, I shouldn't have done that," and when he did that, God struck him with leprosy or, or a, a, a terrible skin disease, though that he he lived the final years of his life as king in quarantine. His son, named Jotham, governed with him. We call it a co-regency. For the last years of his life, Jotham became king after Uzziah's death, somewhere around 740 B.C. My point of all this is that when Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died... I believe he's saying, in that moment of turmoil, anxiety, transition, change, upheaval, that's when I had this vision. That's when I saw this amazing thing. It it was at this point of national uncertainty that God gave Isaiah this amazing gift to see the Lord, to see him seated on his throne, high above the earth, highly exalted, high above all our petty obsessions and concerns. And today, you may sense the uncertainty of our nation as we navigate through multiple national crises COVID 19, uh, a, a, a contentious and, and, and contended election, uh, natural disasters, unnatural disasters like wildfires. I mean, it, the list goes on. And I am here to remind us and we are here to remind each other that the Lord is still enthroned. Highly exalted. And we with the angels call out our praise to Him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Believe it, friends. This repetition of holy, holy, holy is an emphatic way of saying, look, God's purity, His perfection, His sovereignty, His supreme sacredness cannot be diminished in any way. He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. holy. No matter what, God has not changed in His perfection, regardless of whether the king that's been king for 52 years is still with us or gone, God remains holy. So in response to this, I would say sensational. Passage literally in the sense that there's lots of senses going on, right? It's multi-sensory. There's sights and sounds and angels and smoke and 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 the place is shaking. And I know it's it's a vision, but it's very real for Isaiah in this moment. I want to pose just two questions for us to ask ourselves today. If you're taking notes, you could you could write these things down. The the, the first question I want to ask is this: In uncertainty, what do we see we actually sang about it this morning too in uncertainty what do you see where do we fix our gaze and i'm talking about our physical gaze like what are we watching what are we reading our our spiritual gaze what are we pondering what are we meditating about our emotional gaze what are we allowing ourselves to feel to get drawn into what do you see there's a good chance that, like me, you looked at a lot of news and social media this week. Probably kicking yourself. You wish you were up in a cabin somewhere far away from everything. I spent a day in my... The day after the election, I actually spent the day at a, at a study cabin where there's, there's no Wi-Fi and there's no cell reception. It was just the best thing. It was just the best thing. What do we see? There are three things that I want to point out, among others, that Isaiah saw that I think would be helpful for us to see as well. And the first is circumstances. Circumstances. He saw the circumstances. It was the year that King Uzziah died and all the implications of that that we've already talked about. Friends, look, right now the circumstances, and I'm not just talking about the election, but many different things, the circumstances look unstable but they are temporary. They are temporary. Your, your personal circumstances may be troubling to you right now. Your health situation, your financial status, your your there some relationship that you're in or you would long to be in or that's struggling in some way. Look, we see the circumstances around us as a context in which we may encounter God. Let me say that again we we want to see our circumstances as a context as a platform as a as as a setting into which we can ex- encounter god so that's why we see okay it's not a bad thing to assess i see that i okay i see that my job situation is is precarious right now or i see that my relationship with my my daughter or my, or my my dad is is precarious right now or i see that you know my I see that my bank account is empty. Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstance, it's okay to see that, assess that, and say, this is, this is where I'm at right now. Because it's in that place where you can encounter God. Recognize whatever you see is simply a stage for God to work. The second thing Isaiah saw was the Lord. In the year that Isaiah died, I saw the Lord in a vision. And I want to remind us all that the Almighty is the Almighty above all. There's no little R and no little D behind His name. Really. He is firmly established on the throne. There's no recount coming for God's sovereignty. He is worthy of all praise. The creatures closest to Him that know Him best worship Him in the most sincere, earnest, and humble way. So how much more ought we to do the same? We desperately, desperately need a fresh vision of the magnificence of God. If I could, if, if we could just I, I, you know if we could transport ourselves to isaiah's vision but he's trying to do that for us to get a fresh vision to understand the splendor of his presence in the year as i in the year I died i saw the lord and wouldn't it be incredible if you could say you know in the year that we were struggling with a pandemic in the year of that big creek fire i saw the lord And things look so broken. That's, that's, I remember that year. I don't remember it for the fires. I don't remember it for the fighting on social media. I don't remember it for losing loved ones to to COVID. I remember it because that was the year I encountered God. That was the year I, I finally moved past just trying to be a good person. And I actually encountered Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing? The third thing I think Isaiah saw was his own need for cleansing. His own need for cleansing. Isaiah saw the Lord in all God's glory and in all the brilliance of that. And immediately he recognized his own depravity Verse 5, it's over, I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man. I've got filthy lips. I live among a people of unclean lips and yet I've seen the Lord. See, the Lord does not reveal himself to the self-righteous. Let me say that again. The Lord does not reveal himself to the self-righteous. Those who think they're good enough. Those who think just trying hard is going to be the way to get there. The Lord revealed himself to a man who could only say this. I'm done. I'm ruined. I'm sinful. And my people are sinful. And it's this its paradox of like, here's me and all my mess, and yet now I've seen the Lord. What do I do with this? God reveals himself to those who will humble themselves. I think... I think Isaiah's recognizing how casual he and his people have been with the name of God how how in the routine of of religious duty and exercise they've been casual and spiritual rituals taken up with useless conversations and gossip it's like we talk about nothing i, I i'm guilty of all of this he says But because Isaiah's heart's desire was to know God, he responded not in pride. Uzziah 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 had been in the temple. But Uzziah was proud, King Uzziah. Instead, Isaiah responds in repentance. God was incredibly kind and incredibly gracious to reveal himself to Isaiah in such a way that Isaiah recognized he was forgiven by God Isaiah realizes, okay, wait, I'm a filthy sinner, and yet God has shown himself to me. That to me speaks of the kindness of God. You would think God would say, you know, I'm gonna find somebody who's got their act together. That's who I'm gonna speak to. I'm... Well, first of all, there is nobody like that's got their act together. But God is so kind and so gracious. And because he was humble, because he was repentant, the angel took that burning coal to Isaiah and purified him for the task of speaking for the Lord. Right? You remember that? One of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar. And with a pair of tongs. verse 7, he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Isaiah was ready to speak for the Lord. So back to the first question. In uncertainty, what do you see? Circumstances. The Lord. Your own need. Second question is this. In uncertainty, what do we do? What do we do? I I think we do well to copy Isaiah. Isaiah. He repented first of his sin. He's simply declaring in God's presence, I'm ruined. I'm a sinner. And this repentance included submitting himself. And again, I understand it was a vision, but in his vision, he did not say, whoa, 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 whoa that's, that's going to hurt. That's hot. That's hot. Da, 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 da. Don't touch my lips with that. No, he submitted himself to the Lord's purifying work in his life. The, the, the coal, I don't believe physically touch his lips as a vision but but it's a symbol that the purifying work of god could be painful in your life see you, you don't get right with god by just trying harder it's not the answer being more moral being nicer it's not what justifies you before god it's inviting god allowing god to do that work in your own heart in your own life so that you can be cleansed, forgiven. If we never recognize our own sinfulness, listen, if I never recognize my own sinfulness, I can never be fully used by God. I'm going to say this again. If I cannot recognize and admit my brokenness, my sinfulness, my wounds, my pains, my guilt, then I cannot be used by God. Remember, God doesn't reveal Himself to the self-righteous. Isaiah got honest with God in repentance. And the other response from Isaiah was a readiness to go where sent. A readiness to go where sent. Verse verse 8, I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people who will go for us? And he said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Now, it is a bit of a setup. Isaiah is the only one there in the vision. And he has just had his lips cleansed. It's a bit like i saying, now, who should I send? Uh Me, send me, send me. And yet, Isaiah did respond. See, in times of uncertainty, we have to stay on mission. In times of uncertainty, you have to stay on mission. Don't get sidetracked by what's by the kind of turmoil around you. We already know that Jesus commissioned us to go and make disciples of all nations. (laughs) I love the testimony we heard a few weeks ago of those church planners that we helped sponsor in in Ethiopia who, when warned of COVID-19, did the opposite of what was expected and actually went to the sick and the dying to share the goodness of Jesus with them, even though some of them also contracted the virus. Christians Ought to be the least fearful of the virus, by the way. Jesus will protect you or heal you or call you home. Three pretty good options, right? But in uncertainty, what do we do? We repent and we go where sent. We repent and we go where sent on mission. When the Lord says, who will go for us? Are we ready and willing to say, Here I am, Lord. Send me. It's not a COVID cough, I assure you. It's just really dry. Are you ready and willing to say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. To your school. To your workplace. To your neighborhood. Maybe on mission. Maybe out with MDS or... Horn of Africa or Multiply? Is the Lord going to send you out? It's maybe an understatement to say that this is a significant season, a significant moment in our nation and in our world. Things are shifting. And I believe they're shifting because the Lord is preparing us for His return. I believe the Lord is preparing His church for His return. I believe he's shaking us to see where our our, our, our true alliances and allegiance is going to lie. What are we really going to give our our lives to? Are we going to continue on mission? Are we going to are we going to be humble before him? I would say, don't tie your faith to the flag. Don't tie your faith to those who hate the flag. Don't tie your faith to a president or a party only to to Jesus. And as you anticipate, you know, the kind of power struggles that are going to happen in the next few weeks, it would be easy to worry, no matter where you land in your convictions. But there is this one high, this one strong, unshakable truth that God alone is high and lifted up. He is high and lifted up. I want you to say that with me. He is high and lifted up. One more time. He is high and lifted up. Are you ready? Are you ready for the Lord? Are you ready for His return? Are you ready for Him to reveal Himself? Where are you looking? Circumstances to Him, to yourself. And what are you doing? Repent and be sent pray God we just want to humble ourselves afresh today and confess Lord we've allowed ourselves to get worked up about things that we can't even control we just yield ourselves to you afresh and we do declare God that you alone are the one who is holy holy holy